How many TEDx speakers do you know? Well, I've met a few. And this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by a wonderful lady who stood up to talk about making conversations about relationships count. What's new, Wendy Wu? Well, we have very limited space in the diary for any power-up sessions. So head over to the link and get yourself booked in if you've been thinking about it, or you're going to have to wait a while longer. I've received this review that made me absolutely grin ear to ear. It's the first session that I booked as a result of somebody listening to the show. And it's the lovely Tanya, and she's currently in Switzerland. And this is what she said. I chose to book a power-up session with Wendy because of her focus on cold call conversations, and my expectations were far exceeded. Having worked in sales for over 10 years and know how important regular sales training is, Wendy's training was personalised to my needs and especially my company. She not only addressed the pain points I mentioned, but also analysed the company as a whole and provided valuable marketing tips. With her help on opening and closing techniques, I had great conversations immediately after our session. I can recommend Wendy to anyone, whether to refresh what you already learned or gain new sales techniques from scratch. On top of that, her positive, open-minded and friendly nature made it a real pleasure talking to her. Tanya, I can't wait to work with you again later in the year and the rest of the team. Thanks again for being such a great partner. And still people are saying wonderful things about my book. Did you know that I have a meet the author link at the end of the book? One reader, Kat, got in touch and we spent 15 minutes chatting about how she can personalise her introductions and messaged me to say that she'd made several follow-up meetings after a few days. Keep going, Kat. That's brilliant. Now, it doesn't have to be just about your personal relationships. We can also struggle in the workplace too. So let me introduce the lovely Ruth Driscoll as we get down and personal about relationships. It's so lovely to be able to have a a chat with somebody who clearly really relies on conversation to really have an impactful change on the people that you work with and who they're surrounded by. So tell us a little bit more about what you do there at Life Liberator. Well, the work that I do is supporting those who are either in or have been in a manipulative, abusive, controlling relationship and leading them into empowerment and freedom. Because the problem is when you have someone in your life who is manipulating and controlling what happens with you, you feel very much like you're in that grip of their control. It's a position where it's very difficult for you yourself to see your way out from it. So the work that I do supports people to know how they can safely communicate with that person through what I call elegant assertiveness. I love so, that phrase. Yeah, it's, it's so that you, you recognise that you don't have to lose yourself in this process. 
does dealing with somebody who is toxic in this way can erode you as a person. You lose all sense of who you are, your self-esteem, your belief in yourself. So it's very important that you remain true to the person that you are. And the process kind of brings you back to who you are. And then how you can use communication, not just the spoken word. I give dialogue frameworks that you can use, but also in terms of the way that you communicate silently. Because there's so much of a conversation that actually takes place in the bits that are unsaid as well. So it's also recognizing the patterns of that toxic person's behavior so that you recognize exactly what they're doing. And that gives you much more power over being able to choose the outcomes that you need to achieve. It's a good point that you make there, Ruth, with when it comes to being in a relationship, there's likely, I'm guessing, always going to be a more dominant partner. Whilst we all try to live in cohabitation and, and equality and all of those lovely sort of phrases, there's generally going to be somebody who wears the trousers, isn't there? And, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the man. And, yeah. and I know that, you know, same sex partnerships, you know, have have a similar kind of chemistry around them. So this this is about everybody, really, isn't it? And and I love that you can give dialogue frameworks to people because and in an elegant, assertive way. And it's something that's, that is worth noting that sometimes just because you feel that you're out of control in your own relationship doesn't mean to say that you have to leave it. And I think that's the assumption, isn't it? That when you start to talk to your friends or your family because you're reaching out for some help or some guidance, that they will just say straight away, well, leave them. The problem with that You know, yes, it can be a solution, but it still leaves you with the problem because you have to recognize what it was about you that made you vulnerable to those negative messages. And unless you understand that and unless you know how to plug those gaps, if you like, that that you're exposing to that that toxic person then the likelihood is that you will encounter somebody else who behaves in the same way, or you will avoid relationships with people because you are so afraid of it happening to you again. So it's important that you know exactly what's happening to you, why it's happened to you, and how you can be absolutely certain it's never going to happen to you again. It's facing that fear and recognizing the patterns, isn't it? So that you can yes. solve the problem because, and, and this is the other, the other side to it is that it doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything wrong with you. It's about becoming better at relationships, isn't it? Yes, it, it's becoming wiser, <laughs> you know, not losing you in, in that process. You've got to be a wiser version of you where you were vulnerable, where you inadvertently showed that person how they could press your emotional buttons and make you react and put them, therefore, in control. So it's, you know, you've got to be able to recognize all of those tactics that are used by manipulative, controlling people. And the thing is, when you learn this skill, it's a skill that's going to take you through the whole of your life. Absolutely. 
does it happen that you will work with somebody that's in a relationship and then you'll go on to work with the other person in the relationship? Because it's often, you know, bad behavior, we always say, is more of a reflection of them than it is of us. It's just that we're on the receiving end of a situation that they haven't figured out why they react in a certain way. Does that happen to you, Ruth, where you work with partners? Yes, yes, it does. And, you know, that's an important thing to recognise that because a situation has happened or is regularly happening where somebody is showing this perhaps aggressive or controlling behaviour, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are beyond the, the point where they themselves can take responsibility and make the necessary changes. So it's always very encouraging when the controlling person, the abusive person, if you like, agrees to work with me, because then I can turn that situation around and save marriages, you know, make those those relationships far more harmonious. So with the work that I do, you start to uncover as you change, as you become more elegantly assertive, you start to see whether that other person is able to make changes so they have to come up to to match you and still be there with you and if they do then you know that's great it shows that you know that relationship is is worth saving if there are no changes whatsoever if in fact the abusive behavior actually escalates then you know that there's there's no point in remaining here because this person is never going to value you as you deserve to be valued. Often, if that is the case, it's potentially because they have a personality disorder and you know there's nothing that you can do to change that or make that better. It's only if they themselves realize and seek help that they, they can make those changes. I think it's the important thing is recognizing it's not your job to rescue people. You know, often people who are in toxic relationships, it's because they, they've they got lovely qualities and they see somebody's need and they, they're there for them. They rescue, they support. But if that's not being reciprocated, you have to recognize where, you know, your first duty is to be able to protect yourself. Self-preservation. Yes. And I think you're saying about escalation. If you're you're doing everything to kind of better the relationship, changing subtleties around your own behaviour, language, body language, all of those things that if it does escalate, it's kind of a proven sign that they recognise that they're losing control and are desperate to retain that control. So there's already that push back, isn't there, that, that, that they're not willing no, no, that's exactly right. You know, there are all sorts of tactics that they will use to try to keep you under control, including becoming, once again, the wonderful person that you fell in love with in the first place. And so you think, oh, maybe it was just a blip, you know, perhaps things will be all right. But as soon as they've got you back into that place where they control you, the cycle of the abusive bullying behaviors will start up again. So if you find yourself in that cycle where it seems like suddenly everything's absolutely wonderful, then it goes back to being absolutely awful. If you find yourself in that kind of a cycle, 
then you'll know that that person is simply needing you to be there in their control. And uh, you know you have to recognize that because without that, you will be stuck in that cycle. And what happens is your life is only ever half lived because you're always conceding and compromising your own choices, your own preferences, your own desires to try to stop that person from kicking off. Ruth, if any of the listeners, if this is resonating with them, what are typically the first steps for somebody to be able to reach out to get the help that they need? Because I think this is something that, you know, we assume that it can present itself as depression or anxiety and we end up going to the doctor and we can't feel that we can share exactly what's going on or or the root causes of things. And then you can start looking at counsellors and, you know, accessibility is is pretty poor, isn't it, to to get that help. So how do you make it accessible for people to find you and, and talk to you? How can they start that conversation? They can contact me for a complimentary clarity call, which means that, you know, they can then talk to me more about what it is that they're experiencing. And I can explain to them the the ways in which I could support them through this. Um, I mean, the thing is, this is where I specialize in in understanding exactly how to deal with particularly, you know, the the more unpleasant narcissistic kind of behaviours that some people have to cope with. Because without having that specialism, if you're dealing with somebody like that, a lot of counselling, it takes you so far, but it doesn't quite take you far enough. I have a lot of people who come to me who've been through counselling, been through mediation, have tried all sorts of different routes. And it it takes them so far, but it doesn't take them to that point where they actually find the release from this, that they know the exact safe steps that they can take to release themselves from this. This is one of the things that I always say that you have to understand. And that is, and it sounds obvious, but, you know, the complexities beneath it are, are, are there. Normal rules do not apply. When we're dealing with somebody, We have a a certain understanding of certain ways in which we behave. And this is what happens in return, that reciprocation, that understanding, you know, that people perhaps have a conscience. And so we try to deal with the situation using those normal rules and or, or understandings around how communication happens. And that's where dealing with somebody who is manipulative and controlling can make you feel like you're going crazy. Everything is twisted, distorted, exaggerated. You feel like nothing makes sense until you get a grasp of exactly what that means when you're dealing with somebody like that. You'll never reach that point of understanding because you're trying to deal with them using normal rules, if you like expectations of boundaries yes it's not the same for everybody and can be about how you were brought up and you know there's all sorts of things that come into the backstories for people in their their expectations isn't it but um, it's important to understand your own backstory because often that's where you'll find yourself dealing with behaviors that you are demonstrating that are actually sabotaging you 
So you've got to know what it is that's going on from your backstory that have given you those kind of unhealthy emotions that are important, but duty, a sense of guilt, a sense of obligation, those things can tip into being unhealthy if you're not careful, if you're not uh, really examining and challenging your own conditioning. So do you start with the person or do you start with the relationship or is it a bit of both? It's a bit of both and it depends where they are in terms of the cycle of their relationship. A lot of the people that I work with are perhaps going through divorce. So there is then a sort of an immediacy in terms of being able to negotiate and communicate with that person. Perhaps, you know, if they're going to mediation, they need to be prepared for going to mediation. So it, it depends. It's having that framework that you can follow, that you can bring out the best bits as, as to when you need it in your toolkit, isn't it, I think? Exactly, yeah. yes. And do you, do you find, because a lot of the people that listen to the show are starting out in business or are in business, do you find that people that are in business have a greater or lesser route for these things to occur or are business people more resilient to it or do they fall foul of certain things are there any patterns that could help us as listeners to look out for when it comes to juggling that personal and business lifestyle well I think the thing is that this is actually such a, a horribly common occurrence that people can't you you encounter manipulative and controlling people and The truth of the matter is you don't know how susceptible you are until it kind of happens to you. And that may depend on the situation that you're in at the time, you know, what the potential jeopardy is for you in terms of the the situation that you're in. In your personal life, you're probably more vulnerable in other ways than you might be within your business life. So you could be very successful in terms of running your business or in terms of the the work that you do. But that doesn't necessarily mean that this is not something that's happening to you at home. Or you could be very, very happy at home. And yet, in the workplace, you come across a colleague or a boss or somebody who has that bullying control over you, which can absolutely swipe away your well-being and, and your peace of mind. So you just don't know where it's going to happen because these manipulative people crop up in all areas of our lives. Could be, you know, that it's a parent or, you know, a family member that is that controlling person in your life. So you may have been dealing with this right through from when you were a child. Yeah. So for anybody that you're having an issue with, you'd be able to help, whether that be struggling with my boss or struggling with my partner at home is essentially dealing with a troublesome relationship, isn't it, Ruth? Yes, exactly. Yes. I mean, I have delivered workshop to people in the business world. If you're in a service industry, you might have difficult customers. So, you know, then it's knowing how, how you can elegantly make your way through that without it disrupting your sense of well-being and, and your progress too much. I think we've got a real good feel and flavour for Ruth Driscoll, the life liberator, being able to come in on all aspects of our life and being able to help. So 
Thank you for sharing what you do. I think it's a really important role that you play. Moving on to the part of the show that I really love, and that is when I ask my guests to bring a conversation with them that they are happy to share that created a turning point and and what followed. So what was that conversation about? Well, there's one particular moment that I would uh, describe as the almost catalytic moment, if you like, it had a major turning point in my life. And it was a moment where I actually barely said anything. (laughs) So just to fill in a little bit of background here, the reason that I do what I do is because I myself was in an abusive relationship. And at the time that I was in that abusive relationship, I was the successful head teacher of a challenging inner city primary school. So, you know, fitting that model that you were saying, you know, somebody who can be perfectly successful in terms of their life, but at home, something very different is happening. At the time that this catalytic moment came about, I had reached that point where I was chucking him out. And so what I found on this particular day was that he was he was now turning into all sweetness and light, having been spitting with venom in my face the day before to to try to intimidate me for not chucking him out. But now he had been to the estate agent to see if he could rent a flat and he needed someone to act as his guarantor. So he came to me all sweetness and light to say, you know, I can't get the flat unless I've got someone to be my guarantor. And so now this conversation is going bonkers in my head where I'm thinking, oh, my God, he thinks I'm going to be the one who signs and be his guarantor. And if I don't sign, OK, then that means he's never going to leave and it'll be, he'll be make me the, the reason why he can't leave. But if I do sign. If I sign as his guarantor, then I'm responsible for his bills. He'll never pay them. That'll bleed me dry. And so my my brain's going, what do I do? What do I do? And yet, also at that moment, something else happened because I felt like I was going to say yes to him. But it wasn't because I was afraid of him as such. It was because I realized, it was like one of those blinding moments where I realized, Someone stands in front of me and says, I need help. My automatic reaction is, of course, I'll help. That's what I'm saying about understanding about yourself. Yes, yes, I understand that. And and it really honestly felt like like a great hand had stretched down right into the depths of me. And it's grabbed at my guts and twisted them around. And I don't even know how it was I was still standing because I was frozen. In, I was immobile. And yet, you know, this twist in, in my guts was so violent. And, and in fact, you know, as it transpired later on, a few days later, I started showing symptoms of a serious stress-related illness, which I know was sparked by that precise moment. And so that was the the sort of catalytic moment that really completely changed the direction of my life. It was, I didn't say yes to him and I did chuck him out, (laughs) but it meant then I became very seriously ill, which meant I needed to resign from my position as head teacher 
which meant I needed to think, well, how am I going to earn my living? And it was through that process that I was going through that I realized because of my my background in education and, and leadership, as well as my personal experience of the, an abusive relationship, it was that that had led me to this point where I realized this is what you're here for. You're here because you've got the answers here for people who are going through this. That's really how the, my life completely changed direction and eventually then led to the birth, if you like, of the, the life liberator. <laughs> So if you didn't say yes and you still chucked him out, what did you actually say? Do you know what? That's something that's slightly gone blank in my mind as to what I actually said. I must have done something that just fudged the conversation at that point. I think I suggested some other people to him. I mean, at the time he was seeing another woman. So I think I've said, well, why don't you ask her? And <laughs> so, yes. it, yeah. In your defence yeah, there, Ruth, I think I would have just said, well, why are you not going to live with her? <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're yeah. nicer people than that, aren't we? We wouldn't have put it on her. I think I was almost in a state of shock at that point because of, as I say, this violent reaction that I had right deep inside me. But I, I, was, I know I was determined that he was going. And, you know, I so from that perspective, but it was that realization that there was that thing about me. And that made that was the first time I realized, you know, that I myself was part of the problem here. You know, being too supportive, too, you know, too generous, too much of the rescuer. In such a short space of time to go from such extreme behavior. That's a telling sign in itself, isn't it? That they would manipulate you enough to get to still continue to get what they want and only put themselves selfishly first, then consider what that might mean to you to have to make that kind of choice. Because as you were telling me, I was thinking, well, no, you want to get rid of him, but he's not going to leave. And then you're going to end up with the bill. That would be kind of like a revenge tactic. Isn't oh, it? absolutely. Yes, yeah. yes. And this is what I mean you when I say normal rules don't apply because you can't think I would support him here. Obviously, he would want to be thankful for that. No, (laughs) that was not what would happen. Fortunately, I had enough. I'd started developing enough understanding of that by then. So I knew that to, to say yes to him, that would have been the finish of me financially. I think our instinctual capacity does have a knack of kicking in when we really need it, doesn't it? It can do, but when you're in uh, and you know that position of an abusive relationship, you, you have really lost very much that sense of yourself. Unless you've been through it, it's hard to understand that that place that somebody is in and how they have been eroded as a person. Yeah, there's, there's, there's like a valley. I've been in a situation 20 odd years ago. It's generally the women that that are the givers, I think. But I think for women, and I can only speak as a woman, obviously, but for me, what I heard from your story was that you'd already decided that he was going. So that capacity to kick in was because at the back of your brain, you'd already made a decision and you, you were anchored on that being the right decision, even though you know that there's going to be fallout. Because there's always fallout, isn't there? Whereas if you're in a 
controlling situation and you haven't made that decision to leave or not, that you are kind of resigned to being there, then yes, I don't think your capacity really stands a chance because you're up against yourself. And, you know, the problem is, you know, what you, I think at the beginning you, you talked about fear, didn't you? And the fear, even when we're in a situation that's a very bad situation, there's still a fear of the unknown situation when the situation changes. That still goes on with us, especially, you know, if you've got children, if you're a financial stability centers around being with this person. There are so many factors that come into it. Social connotations or, you know, an unmarried mother. Yeah. All all of those things. Stigmas, stigmas do stop us in our tracks, don't they? I have to ask you one last question. Have you found love again? Well, at the moment, I'm single. Uh, I had found love again, but my parameters had changed and where I found relationships where it would have meant a certain compromise, I had the strength to walk away and say, no, this is not right for me. But what I do have is the confidence that I will find the right relationship in the right timings for me. You know, at the moment, my life is very busy with other things, but I do have that absolute confidence that it is something that will happen in the right time and it will happen without it um, having any friction around it. Well, Ruth, I I really am rooting for that uh, special person to come and find you and not distract you from the amazing work that you must be affecting on so many people that you're working with in the past and and that, that are going to need you in the future as well. So now you've heard Ruth and I have our conversation. I'm sure you may well look at your own relationships slightly differently in the future. Don't forget to reach out to Ruth if you want to carry on the conversation and you'll find more information on the makingconversationscount.com website. Next time, we're joined by Rob Begg. So when it comes back to sales and fast growth and growing your business or getting what you want, living the life you really want, living a life that we're here to live, the only thing we need to do is to hold it in our mind differently, to allow ourselves to imagine, which is what imagination is for.